to another edition of the Banter Pub FC, the sauciest team in the game, the spiciest takes on the pitch. You know the deal, FC Drip, Real Sauce City. In the pub today, we have the captain, Neil. Also have Joseph, Ama, a special guest joining us, Elliot this time, our producer in the background, Rossler, and myself, Adam. Of course, we're going to go around the pitch. Surprising result in the Premier League this past week. Obviously, going over El Clasico and how it uh, dictates the table in La Liga. Um, CONCACAF uh, has started Champions League, and we get to see how they're moving forward. Also, champions in Europa League semifinals are set. And we get to talk about how uh, our good old United States leagues are starting up now and the starts of the USL Championship and League One seasons, um, what to look out for. This past weekend, NWSL started as well. And we're going to check in with some of the drama that happened over the past weekend. But first up, let's start talking about uh, the Leeds match. Uh, stunning City. City seems like champions elect at this point, but still stumbled um, to uh, Marcelo Bielsa and Leeds. Guys, what were your thoughts on that match? Well, before we get started, Adam, I want to welcome Elliot to the Banter Pub FC <laughs> first. Um, and also, also, the, you know, Creator of the Henny Derby, um, uh, agent provocateur of Hennessy. Um, and we and, love him for that. Uh, we do. The uh, leader of uh, the uh, Richmond Kickers, uh, I'm going to kill, kill you if you don't support my club, fan club. Um, <laughs> I know that's not the legitimate name, Elliot. I'm sorry. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Um, uh, I usually don't take the reins from the, uh, host of the week, but I wanted to extend the, I wanted to ex- extend our, that is, that's an honor to have you on, but also, um, we usually, when we usually do these, inter- when, when, when we usually have folks on, we usually give them a chance to say what clubs they support and what kind of brought them into the beautiful game. And then we can get right into around the pitch. All right. So I won't be super duper long because my story getting into soccer is long, um, but pretty much what I would say was I got introduced to the game early on um, back in 96. Uh, growing up, born and raised in the city of Richmond, uh, the elementary school I went to was right beside City Stadium where there were some kickers play. And I have a picture of myself with the longest tenured head coach in Richmond Kickers history, uh, Lee Callishaw. He was there for 18 years and he was also a player for us. So um, didn't really follow the game growing up because, you know, being a big, strong black boy in the South, they're going to put you on that offensive and defensive line and tell you to go block somebody. Um, but I didn't play uh, that much in high school. I caught a concussion in 10th grade. My mom was like, you're done. 
Um, and you better find another sport to play because you're not playing football. So went on to track and field, uh, went to Virginia State University where I'm a proud alum, you know, go Trojans. I had a guy that lived across from me. He was an Ajax supporter. Uh, he was from the Netherlands. I didn't know black people grew up in the Netherlands because I've never seen black people in the Netherlands. Um, but he kind of told me about how soccer is over there, everything like that. And when I graduated, I had to look for a job. So I got a job with the YMCA. And they were giving away soccer tickets to Richmond Kickers games. Went to Richmond Kickers game and fell in love with it. So, and also the clubs that I support. Um, so, like I was telling y'all earlier, I'm a fan of Manchester United slash supporter, you want to say, because I've got a you know official jersey on. Uh, <laughs> um, but the team that's number one in my heart, you know, die hard is the Richmond Kickers. I bleed red, you know, stand up for Richmond, baby, all day, every day, 804. Now, now we can get to around the pitch. Sorry. <laughs> no worries, man. <laughs> nah, so, Elliot, since you're a guest, I want to give you the chance to go first, man. Uh, what did you think about that result this weekend? It actually gives your team um, a, still a fight, a mathematical chance to, to come back and catch up. Uh, yeah, I mean, it gives United a chance, but. I'm not counting the chickens before. I'm not, I'm not counting the eggs before they hatch. Um, pretty much, I didn't even watch the game because in my head, I automatically striked it up as a city win. So I actually, like, overslept. So when I woke up and saw the result, I thought, like, football was glitching. Like, I was like, what? Like, two? Like, two, one leads? Like, nah, this that right. And then you know how you can click on the result and it shows you, like, how the match happened? And I was like, Lee's lost, man? And leads one? Like, no, nah, that's not right. Like, <laughs> so, I mean, I don't read too much into it. I still think City got the league. And I actually think they were probably just coasting into it, probably resting up. Because I don't think the Bruyne and someone else didn't start. Like, they didn't start, like, big people for them. So, I don't read too much into it. I think Leeds probably went to the game wanting it more than City. But as far as United having a chance, I'm not believing it until there's like a three point gap difference. Like I, I, I'm not getting hyped up for it to get disappointed later. I respect that. That makes total sense. Uh, Ama, what, what, what were your thoughts about the match? <laughs> yeah, this was the most improbable result of the weekend. And I, I felt like uh city definitely were counting their chickens before they're hatched. And and Leeds was uh, Leeds were the more opportunistic side. Um, I think I think it was really remarkable that they were able to to uh, win it in, in in extra time or in the final minute, right? Because you know they didn't have like I, I'm pretty sure City had the majority of the ball. City had the most shots. City, you know, did what they're supposed to do, except score goals. And so I was I was impressed with the result um, because I know statistically you watch you look at that I'm not an XG guy I don't like that but I'm sure you know City didn't m- match their XG and Leeds kind of probably overachieved in that match so it's beautiful like I lo- I love to see these kinds of upsets um, when they don't happen to my squad. Absolutely. Um... Neil, did you have any thoughts about the match on the, on the other side of Manchester? Or, well, they were away at Leeds this time. 
<laughs> you, you sure you want to give me this? You sure? Okay. I'm serving um, it up. Serving <laughs> it up. I'm just saying. I'm just saying because you're literally like handing me a, a, a gift basket here. Um. Uh. So. Oh, um. See, and just real quick, Neil reminds me of that kid that's like, I've been waiting all day to talk shit about you. Like I've been waiting all day, and you can see it on his face. Like it's like that evil, sadistic grin of like, I love you. Ladies, I'm going to let you know how you ruined this. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest like has nailed it to a T. So, wow. uh, pretty much. Yeah. But, Neil, go for it. <laughs> That's fucked up, Elliot. I'm going to tap you back later. Um, uh, but, <laughs> um, uh, see, you got me riled up a little bit. But, you know, the at the, at the end of the day, to see two um, rivals of Manchester United play each other, it's, you know, it's the, the opportunity to be a true neutral. Um, and who better than Little Brother and the little club that could uh, in Leeds? Um, could, but never quite, you know, they're finally here and everybody's happy, but the motherfuckers are going to be mid-table for the next three seasons and they're just going to have to deal because um, they're not coming close to a title anytime soon. Uh, but, you know... Um, I appreciate their effort in knocking City down a peg. I do appreciate that. Um, Stuart Dallas showed up. Uh, they were down 10 men. And like Elliot said, like the expectation is you go down 10 men, you lose. But they battled through an entire game and did an amazing business. Um, Yo, so, so real quick, isn't Stuart Dallas like a, a defender? Like how, how did he get a brace against Manchester City? Uh, again, do you want me to... I mean, this is also the game where, like, John Stones was playing the number 10. So (laughs) anything was happening in this game. (laughs) So I feel like this is definitely the time to mention that Jonathan is not here, okay? Jonathan is not in the pub with us this evening at the time of recording. I would just like to point out for the record that he has only been here one time when his team gets waxed. But that does not stop this train from rolling. And what does this train deliver? The smoke, son. Let me tell you about this man, Stuart Dallas. Leeds only had two shots on target total for this entire match. And Stuart Dallas had them both. If anybody's paying attention on how to knock City out of the Champions League, which we will get into later, this is what you need to know. Set pieces. Very vulnerable. Extremely vulnerable. Stuart Dallas is not just any old centre-back. He is a damn good player. And I feel like Leeds earned that victory. It was That's what makes it so impressive, is that they absolutely beat them off the park. They took their chances when they got them, and they defended brilliantly throughout. And that definitely has to be attributed to man of the match, Stuart Dallas. It's not just the brace. It's the fact that he had everybody in his back pocket. And yes, we all hate lead scum and all that fun stuff. But at the end of the day, like, give them credit where credit is due. They absolutely wrapped up Man City. That's how you beat them. If you're on point with your set pieces, they can't deal with it. And that's oh, the real moral of the story. Manchester United knows we beat them already. Manchester's red. Right, like we just need to, we just need to acknowledge the facts here. That's what makes me worried about this uh, Champions League tie because I don't want Chelsea to win. But like, you know, at the end of the day, 
Chelsea do have it within their locker. I, I, I think Chelsea and Man City are the ones that are facing each other in the semi-final. Oh, so it's City, it's it's City just... PSG, Real Madrid, Chelsea. Right. Okay. So PSG are fine there because as far as their set piece is concerned, they can, <clears throat> they can knock it down. So that's what kind of makes me worried, though, about um, what City can offer. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. The fact of the matter is, is that City are very weak against set pieces. Leeds United proved it yet again. Like, whenever you beat City, it's usually off a set piece. So go ahead and have at him. Stuart Dallas definitely does all the plaudits. Not just for the fact that he's kept my fantasy draft team top of the table, but, like, yeah. Like, I mean, he is a damn good player, and I really hope people are watching as far as what City can do in terms of going on to win anything this season. If you want to beat them, set pieces. Nail them on set piece. Always watch your back post. Absolutely. So, and I mean, now that City has lost, technically, again, as I mentioned, mathematically, Manchester United still in the title race, pretty much knocked out. But the weekend was eventful because it had lots of implications down the table for who might be making Europe. Um, Manchester United had an important result in... Thank you for killing um, Tottenham's chances of making the European places. Um, uh, it was a pleasure. A very um, a controversial first goal disallowed. Uh, once again, VAR really is uh, showing up its uh, ugly head. Um, and then that didn't deter Manchester United. Throughout the day, looked like the more uh, the bright team and came back uh, with three goals to uh, take the game down in London. Uh, Elliot, again, I'm going to give you the honors as, as the guest here and also the man, a man you supporter. Another one, finally, to give some support to Neil. Uh, what was that match <laughs> feeling for you? How, how did that feel uh, watching that one? Uh, <sighs> man, it, it's hard to describe it because in the first half of the game against Man United and Spurs, I was ready to cut the game off. I was ready to cut the game off. I was like, I'm done. Like, I see how this story is about to go. We're going to have a billion shots on goal. None of them are going to get in. Spurs are going to win this one nothing. Josie's going to run his mouth. It's going to irritate me. Um, so I decided, like, the second half, I was like, all right, I'm going to do some stuff around the house. And lo and behold, United decided to score three goals and actually play proper defense like I thought they couldn't do. Um, it's a big result. It kind of, I would say, more or less locks up top four for us. Um, I mean, I think I looked at the schedule. I think we probably only have maybe one or two more teams in the top six or eight of the tables. So I, I like our chances of catching up that. Um, I would want to say, like, the Spurs. I know a lot of people on Twitter have been talking about the uh, Sun. Like, did he fop or was he too soft? And in that moment, man, I don't blame Sun. I don't. Because you're going to do what you're going to do. Like, you're going to do what you're going to do to get that call. Do I think it was a foul? No, absolutely not. 100% no. And that's not even me being a Man United fan. Like, if that was Arsenal v. Leicester and, you know, Sokka did that, I wouldn't think that's a foul. Um, But I just hate the fact that the kind of abuse that he got online afterwards and people just automatically harping on, you know, Wanna harp on him through violence. I don't understand this thing of 
when a player does something that we don't like, a certain subculture decides like, oh, it's cool to be racist. Like that doesn't make common sense to me. Um, and then Jose decided after the game it was really smart to be like, well, all he does is feed his kids, so he's a bad dad. That didn't make any like, sense to me. But the then it back was back page fodder, craziness. That, yeah. that was the funniest. Yeah, the it was funniest weird. Shit. But then, did you see what his son said? His son, his dad said, I never. Yeah, he was like, my dad's feeding me because he know I wouldn't do anything like that. So I'm actually, Josie's just mad that he's lost. And I was like, that kid's, that kid's been raised well. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump in real quick because I, who doesn't like shitting on Tottenham? Um, I, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll say this is, this loss is all on Jose Mourinho, right? Besides being a super trash man manager, he also got his tactics wrong in this match. And if there's one moment that I'll say he made a decision that killed him, it was when he decided to take off Lo and bring on Sissoko. Like, right oh, yeah, after... 100%. Right 100%. after United scored. And this is the thing that a lot of United fans have said about Ollie is that, like, Ollie usually gets his substitutes wrong. His tactics are fine. It's usually the substitutes that he's messed up on. Whereas Jose, he I don't know what Jose was thinking. Jose went super defensive for some reason. And it was one one. He's and I'm trash. Like, yeah, and, and don't get me wrong, like I am I'm a defensive coach. I teach defense. I'm not a great offensive person. But I you also have to recognize like who you're playing is. And if anyone plays against United knows United sucks at the counterattack. Like we suck at it. So why would you take off players like Lucas or, you know, p- players with pace to put on midfielders that struggle in breaking down lines? So Soko's a defensive midfielder. He's not going to help you progress the ball up the field. He's going to help you sit in and sit tight. Whereas and, and if you bring he's, he's on someone that's creator, yeah, exactly. If you bring on someone that's creative and can kind of help open up the field, like, even if you still want to be defensive, that's who Jose is. You're not changing Jose. If you want to open up the field and be more open in a sense, uh, horizontally, you can do that and still counterattack against us because we have of Harry Maguire, but he is slow. He doesn't have ACLs. Man's not chasing down anyone. He get beat Man United <laughs> on a counterattack. Yo, that's ACLs. Yeah, listen. What? This is what I've been saying about Jose Mourinho from the very beginning. I've been saying it all over again. All the man knows how to do is get a goal against the run of play and defend it. That's what he does. He parks the bus every single time he goes up 1-0. Sure, yes, the side has gone on to like walk it in like, you know, 4-0 or like 5-2 victories or something like that. But again, his counterattack um tactics are brilliant. Like, even though I cannot stand the guy, I'll give him credit for that much. But he sometimes, often, actually, goes ultra defensive when he's got a lead that he feels like they can't defend. And he doesn't have the defenders to do it. And that's the thing. It's just like he doesn't build from the back. Not He hasn't done that since Porto. Like, if you really look at what he's always had at his disposal since Chelsea, the first run through... He's never really had what you would call 
strong defenders. He's always had like one stalwart defender that stands out. You know what I'm saying? You see, that's the way how Jose builds it. Like the way how Jose teaches his team is literally like, it's like if you give a kid FIFA and be like, build a team. What is he gonna do? He's gonna go go buy the most expensive players and be like, he's gonna look at the defenders and be like, y'all gonna figure this out? And that's how it works. The thing about Jose is that I feel like if Jose, I understand Jose thinks he is still a top six manager. He's not. I always felt like once Jose left Man United, he should have gone to a club like a Newcastle, someone like that, where he can build. And not just have to be like, oh, here's a stuff of money, build as a team. Because Josie can't do that anymore. Josie comes from the era where you take a team and you build it over the course of time or over the course of years. Porto, for instance, he had his most success there because why? He was able to build a team properly. You know, and that's just who Jose is. Josie's at that point in time where he can no longer just you can't you can't trust Josie with a bag. He's gonna blow it. pretty accurate regarding Jose. He just he just overthinks things, so I don't think he's in touch with the, the matches anymore. Neil, before we moved on, did you have any thoughts on um on the match, uh, the performance of your team, Cavani showing up as well? So, yes. Several thoughts. Um, first of all, Jose Mourinho is still an anti-black piece of shit because he didn't just say shit about Ale Gunnar Solskjaer, he also said shit again about Pogba. Pogba should have gotten a red card or some yeah. stupid shit like that. First of all, you fucking idiot, the reason that Pogba has had up and down form for the past three and a half years is because your dumbass was railing him while you were manager of Manchester United. And it's the other reason why one of our hosts is is also no longer a supporter of Manchester United for the exact same reason, because all you did was turn our physical, our, our physical black players. And even prior to that, um, into, uh, wasted, into what you thought were wastemen. You said on numerous occasions that Luke Shaw is quote unquote too fat to be a left back. And guess what happened in the match against your Tottenham Hotspur? Both Luke Shaw and Paul Pogba showed up. So, so, oh, my fault. I'll let you finish now. So, how does that feel? How does that feel that the two, that, that, that two of the players and Mind you, the other player that you railed against, Jesse Lingard, is doing amazing at West Ham. <clears throat> so all the players that you railed against, whether they're still at Manchester United or on loan at other clubs, are doing amazing without you. So this is something I found out very interesting about Jose, and I found this out because um, on our podcast, Can I Kick It?, we did an episode dedicated to Samuel Eto'o. If you haven't listened to Can I Kick It, you should. It is an amazing podcast. Um, but in the midst of me researching, in the midst of me looking at Samuel Eto'o, we also saw that he has a certain tendency. So every club that Jose's at, excluding Chelsea, his first year, I mean his first run, and Porto, he always goes after the player that the fans love. So for instance, if you go look at Inter. After a while, he started going after um, uh, the goalkeeper. I can't think of his name. Cesar. Uh, Hamdanovic? Uh, not Hamdanovic. Um, oh, Julio Cesar? Brazilian. Yes. He started going after him. Until he moved him out of the club. 
he wasn't there when he did, but he started, you know, kind of attacking him. Um, when he moved to Real Madrid, Sergio Ramos, Ahal Di Maria, Cristiano Ronaldo. Goes back to Chelsea. Eden Hazard, um, Petrček, you know, plays like that. Comes to Man United. Paul Pogba, uh, Jesse Lingard, moves the Spurs. Dyer. Um, Ali. So it, it's like Jose has Jose has like this inferiority complex where he's like, I don't want and don't get me wrong, is it a good coaching technique? Because you don't want any player to think they're bigger than the club. But he does it in a standpoint of it's antagonistic to where I'm trying I'm not trying to bring Elliot. you down to build out everything else. So. I'm bringing you down because I am I think that I'm better than everyone else. I feel so vindicated in this moment. Thank you so much, Elliot. I have been saying for years that his entire management style is deeply Machiavellian. He doesn't want the student to outshine the master. He feels he is the master. If you follow his every direction, you will be successful. And it doesn't work for all of the star players <clears throat> that he has managed. Like he has fallen out with them because he doesn't, he doesn't. I don't, I, I'm trying so hard to explain, and Elliot just it's did very, that it's in very, like a minute. It's and very a uh, Louis Van, Van Hall esque. Yes. So remember how Louis Van Hall is as a manager. Louis Van Hall has a management style of it's very stringent. So if you are yeah. right mid, you are a right mid. You don't to the middle. If you are an attacking mid, you stay in the middle. If you are a left mm -hmm. back, you stay in the left back. You don't move around position. This is why if you ever read. Um, the book um, Football Sense, I believe it is, is talks about how like um, Jorn Cruyff hates, like he hates Louis Van Gaal, and Louis Van Gaal hates Jorn Cruyff because if you know Jorn Cruyff, the four three three is very fluid, it's all over the place. Van yep. Gaal is very four two three one, four 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 two. You stay in your place, you don't move. That's why Louis Van Gaal always falls out of places very quickly because. More or less, like the players are like, I don't have freedom to, you know, do what I need to do. Jose Mourinho's in that same kind of thing. Ancelotti, Carlo Ancelotti may be the same, but he's a lot more looser when it comes to player. Like he's a great man in management in terms of like him getting the most out of players. He's kind of, you know, losing it in case of, you know, look at what Everton's doing. And yeah, speaking of that, we should talk about, um, as we, before we leave Premier League, you know, the Manchester United result, while keeping them mathematically in the title chase, does have implications for the European places. So Tottenham is right there at seventh, um, just barely hanging on. Like, basically, the top two are set. Kind of the relegation zone is set. But the European places are all over the place. Liverpool beat Aston Villa over the weekend. Chelsea handled Crystal Palace. Uh, West Ham, the surprise in the top four. Um, held on against Leicester City, which was huge because they're in third and fourth place. So, guys, what do you guys think about, like, top four chances? There's only seven matches left for most teams. A couple teams have games in hand. But who do you think ends up in top four? Um, other, well, I should say, who are the two that make it other than City and United? Um, so I have a hot take. Oh, I think oh, Leicester. I think <laughs> I think Lester miss out, misses out on European places altogether, and I think they kind of blow up the team afterwards. Jamaican yeah, airhorns right there. That's not, Put that sound that's, effect that's right that's there. Not, that's <laughs> not a hot take. I agree with you. Um, okay. That's not a hot take for me. Because I think West Ham United are definitely going to lock up fourth. Like okay. I think 
this is this is definitely definitely going to put everybody who said anything negative about Jesse Lingard first and foremost. Like I love seeing him, as I said to Neil before we started recording, I love seeing his revitalization. Like this is what he can do. He can lead sides to victory. He is an incredible player. Like I yeah. love Jesse Lingard. Oh, don't like, I love Jesse Lingard too. And the thing about like a lot of people don't realize, like Lingard had a lot of stuff going on off the field that affected him on the field. Now, granted, was some right. of this was yep. some of this stuff self inflicted? Yes. Mm-hmm. As he, I think he did an interview with BBC where he talked about like I started to believe the hype so much it got too crazy. I was still like he was super loyal to the club. Even all he talked about, all he was like. Didn't want to let him go because there were transfers coming in for him, like for him to leave the club during the summer. And all he said, like, I don't want to let him go because I know he is. He call he called him Nicky Butt esque. Like he's he's that player of the '92 regime where he's not going to get the shine on you know most of the time, but he's such a good locker room president. That's what you need sometimes. He was like, I don't want to let him go, but I need him to go on loan. To get some playing time, and he's doing that at West Ham, so I'm super happy for him. Like, I wish Jesse nothing but the best because he deserves it. He truly does. Like, he has been playing the lights out. I mean, I don't need to even go over the numbers of what he's been doing. Like, I really am pleased with Jesse Lingard, um, and I feel like West Ham will have been playing cohesively enough, at least. Shout out to Mikel Antonio. I'm really looking forward to seeing you do what you're doing for West Ham for Jamaica. Uh, Adam, you already know. The reggae voice. You know the real. You know the real. You already know what it is. So, like, I mean, at the end of the day, West Ham is playing extremely well. So that also vindicates David Moyes. And that is the point. Right? David Moyes might have been doing Brexit football at Sunderland. Yes. David Moyes, you can argue, might have been not good enough to go ahead and take over from Sir Alex Ferguson, but were overshadowing the fact that nobody was really good to take over immediately from Sir Alex Ferguson. Oh, no. That was his train set. Like the famous you know quote saying? goes, you'd rather be the person replacing the person instead of the person replacing the man. Correct. Now, look, no one was going to, no one except for maybe Pep at that time? And maybe, uh, maybe, and Pep was maybe the only person that could have came in there and had any kind of good success. David Moyes, man, yeah. I would say this. I think he finally I mean, figured out his level. Figured out his level because he had a bad couple of runs, Manchester United, Real Sociedad, <laughs> of course, Sunderland. Except that first, except that first uh, well, the first half of that first season, he was doing pretty well there at Real Sociedad. Yeah. He also saved Everton from the drop and then turned them into a European side within like three seasons. The guy can definitely do a job, but he needs a club like West Ham. Like, you know, like yeah, he it's... needs a club where he can. There's not the pressure of you have to get top four. It's not the pressure yeah. of like literally. If you tell David Moyes, keep us out of the relegation zone, keep us around, you know, somewhat mid table. David Moyes is going to do well. Yeah, bleed in the youth. Yeah, he'll, he'll do fine. Mm-hmm. He'll do. He'll do well. He'll do a job. He'll also be making sure that they're playing in that kind of cohesive style that you see West Ham, Everton before that. And then, of course, Man United in the Champions League, at least. Like, you know, the way that you set up Patrice Evra for that goal against Bayern Munich, 
Nobody saw that coming, but that's exactly what David Moyes can do for you. Like, he just needed more time at Manchester United. I've always felt that. And I will say this. There are certain clubs that I feel like are doing better without fans, and certain clubs are doing worse. Mm-hmm. Man United is doing better without fans in the stadium. West Ham? West Ham would be in the fucking relegation zone if they had fans. Yeah. Yeah. Probably would yeah. be. Probably would be. Pressure. Yeah, that pressure. Yeah. And then Sheffield, I would I say would have been doing better with fans, right? Like with fans. they're, yeah, they're exactly. trash, oh, but they're not that damn trash. Oh yeah, Sheffield, Liverpool, um, Newcastle would have would have been doing tons better if they had fans in the stadiums. Without fans, like those are those are stadiums, those are grounds where that atmosphere earns you an extra point. You know, it gets yeah, you over the line. Yeah. We're like mm-hmm. at Man United. I agree. Our fans can be the reason why we lose a point because the players get so tense and they're like, I don't. It is a human aspect. Like, I don't want to be the reason why we make a mistake. So they shy away from the ball. I mean, I mean, we could talk about how they sung that racist supporter song for both Park Ji Sung and Romelu Lukaku and that having an effect on the side in matches you have lost. But I don't think that Manchester United fans are ready for that conversation. <laughs> and wow. Yeah, that's pretty intense to go there. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> we'll move on. I know we talked a lot. A lot's been going on in the Premier League. We do want to move on uh, uh, across uh, down to Spain and La Liga. Um, of course, this week's edition of uh, Have You Been Barcelona? Uh, it, this was the El Clasico <laughs> edition, the Real, the Real Madrid edition. And, uh, so, um, you know, Real Madrid coming off good form in the Champions League, Barcelona, good form in um, uh, La Liga. Um, it was a very good match. Real Madrid went up early. Barcelona did uh, come back, had a heartbreaker across the crossbar towards the end. As the Barca fan, I'm not going to deny it. Uh, it was unfortunate that we didn't win, especially because now it's two points separating um, top from the bottom. But had we won the game, we would be at the top right now. Um, but I was still hopeful. It was it was Real's very good. They're they're doing well. They're in form. It's it's what's expected. Um, and I'm happy that the youth uh, movement at Barcelona is still going well. Like. Um, Again, the shot that hit the crossbar, the youth movement, uh, La Masia still producing. So I'm good with it. I still like our chances to come out at top at the end of the league. Obviously, Real moving on into the Champions League will influence how they play in La Liga. So holding tight for that. Um, guys, did you have any thoughts about El Clasico this weekend? I don't have access to being in sports. So I didn't watch it. <laughs> I, I did. And um, it was, you know... It was one of those things where I don't have a dog in the fight. I just wanted to be entertained, and I was right. Uh, so it so a classical lived up to the standing I was looking for. And you know, Dembele looked good. Sergio Des looked all right. Um, Elish came on, and I, there was one moment where you know somebody fouled Messi, and he came up to like you know play enforcer a little bit. And this is a young boy. So I love that. I love that energy. And I feel like Barcelona will be okay one way or another, especially if you trust in the youth. Um, okay doesn't mean you're going to win everything. And maybe that that's uh, 
it's a, something new for Barcelona fans uh, to to accept. Um, but I, I was hoping that honestly, I, there's probably not a La Liga team I, I dislike more than Real Madrid. So, you know, it's unfortunate that they uh, they couldn't do the business. <laughs> they, they didn't do the business. And and you know here we go. I mean, I, granted, there's an away match at of all places. What was the name of the stadium? Where did they play? What was the match played? It was it was. Uh, it's a two team stadium, um, Real Castel. It's, it's a two, I know it's a two team stadium. It's no, it's the Alfredo Di Stefano Stadium, right? Like th- it was. I remember thinking like, oh, okay, that's that's not what I was expecting. Um, but anyway. Um, I mean, granted, they haven't played at the Bernabeu since COVID happened, right? Because I think the Bernabeu is under construction or something. Something. I it just it was it was a weird. It seemed like a weird location for me. And then, um, so one last thing, um, we've talked about Martin Braithwaite and how he somehow got the number nine shirt at Barcelona. Still, always looks weird to me to see this man in the shirt, um, in, in in the number nine shirt. And um, we didn't see Ricky Puig. I don't know. It just seemed like maybe there were some other options to, you know, to get get the needed goal for for uh, Barcelona, and, and they just weren't up to it. I mean, Either our manager, way. yeah, our manager is trash. So you can't trust him tactically to like set up a lineup to ever like maximize the team, which is why he should have just stayed with the Netherlands. But you know. Dream jobs yeah. and all. Yeah, but well, the Netherlands well, deserve better, better than him too. Well, like if we're talking about Ronald Koeman, he seems to be extremely angry with the penalty decision that wasn't. Um, uh, I, I just felt like Real Madrid was definitely the better side. Like I agree with Zinedine Zidane. I think that the Real Madrid controlled the game throughout, and they deserved the win. You know what I'm saying? Even though Casemiro got sent off, like what, it was the end of the. End. I yeah, mean, it was the end. end. It was yeah. it was the end of the match. Like it was the end of the match, and it didn't necessarily matter because Real Madrid had these lot beaten from like minute 40. 40. Like I mean, it, it was just it was over. That back heel from Karim Benzema. <laughs> all this man does. Is just stunt on his haters and score goals. That's all Korean. Yo, I'm convinced does. that man sells drugs. He I promise you he's moving weight, bruv. Like listen, he, if oh, if he bro. has a post 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 football career of like acting as like a villain or like in heist films or something like that, I believe it. He he would he'd yeah. probably do pretty well in that if he has any acting skills. Like Yo, every because you know he does other like little uh videos before like each game. Yeah. In each game, yo, I feel like Bro, I know you moving cocaine. <laughs> like, is he gonna be Ain't like no John way. Wick Four? There's no way. Absolutely. <laughs> First of all, John Wick Four is gonna be three minutes long because he ain't saying no words. <laughs> but yeah, um, no. I'm, so, so, oh no, you good? You good? Yeah. So I mean, it's 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 interesting. It's true. Real just look good. It's gonna be um those last couple matches exactly only two points separating top from the bottom. This was actually Barcelona's like really last hard hard match this is why i'm very hopeful uh real and athletics still have um harder schedules ahead also real still in champions league contention so i always have to worry about the rotation there um 
Neil, what do you think about you guys' chances in Athletic in terms of taking of holding on and uh, winning La Liga title? I mean, so <laughs> Real didn't do us any favors uh, by winning. <laughs> Not that we were rooting for either side because as, because of an Athletic supporter, we hate Madrid and we hate Barcelona. Um, but uh, that being said, uh, I think uh, one point is not enough. We've seen, I, I, don't, I don't think, in recent memory, there has never been a La Liga title won uh, with a one-point difference. Um, so, in, in, at least in my recent memory, which is pretty long, and I, and, yeah, I don't remember uh, that ever happening recently. Um, usually in the, in the past, because in the past, the La Liga title has either gone to Barcelona or Real Madrid, and they've won it convincingly with several points uh, with with a several point gap between them and the rest of the table, um, so Atleti has to do more in these last eight games or so, six, you know, seven or eight games. Um, certainly has to win every single one. They're not playing anywhere else. Uh, they have no other competitions going. On. <laughs> so there's no time like the present. Um, uh, they can certainly root against Chelsea in the Champions League because Chelsea uh, uh, turned them over and spanked them. Uh, so uh, they can certainly do that. But outside of that, use that as motivation to win the La Liga title um, and ensure that either Real Madrid or uh, Barcelona don't win it again because God only knows we need one of those two clubs winning the title for the upteenth time. Like, it's time for change and it's time for Atleti to do their business and close the door. And win the title. But one point is not enough. I just want to apologize to our listeners because I did say on the record that Atleti had this title wrapped up. I mean, the gap was pretty sizable. I was going to mention that, but I didn't want to say anything. You know, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Go ahead and just... I was wrong about that. I do want to apologize to everybody. I definitely called that one prematurely. Unlike Inter... Like where that one's definitely wrapped up. There's no chance of anybody catching them. But you know, one out of two ain't bad. You know what I'm saying? It's just I, I feel like it's gotta be it's gotta be hanging the balance. So I'm happy to admit that I was wrong about Athletic's chances about being champions elect. They definitely shat the bed here. Uh and yeah, they're gonna need to do more in these last round of matches than what was realistically looking like this time last month. So they've really squandered this, like this lead. Uh, I I feel that Real Madrid is definitely trying to win this title. But then again, Zinedine Zidane has always proven himself to be a big match manager, and he's somebody that is definitely trying to drag Real Madrid over the title line. And it looks like realistically they can definitely do it. You know, Ronald Koeman is still in there with a shout with Barcelona, but again. The soap opera club that is Barcelona just can't seem to get it done. I'm sorry, Adam, but that's just that's just where we're at. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I don't know. The only other club that looks like they could pull off a miracle is Sevilla, but I don't think that's likely at this point. Um, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting finish to the Liga. That league became more interesting than it was looking like this time last month. So, um, yeah. Don't fuck up, Atleti. <laughs> <laughs> Hold tight.
Well, we'll see what, what what's going on there. Um, as when as leagues in Europe start to um ramp down, um, we do see over here on our side of the hemisphere, Concacaf uh, Champions League. Um, at the time of recording, they're in the last set of matches. Uh, we do know so far it's been Portland Timbers have moved on to the uh, quarterfinals. America, Mexico, uh, Atlanta United. Philadelphia Union have moved on, Toronto FC, Cruz Azul, um, and uh, as of now, it looks like uh, at the time of recording, Columbus crew are pretty set to go forward in Monterey. We'll see those those things can change. But guys, what is your take on uh, CONCACAF and uh, how things are looking as uh, they move forward? Can we talk about that tackle from Blanco? Yikes. Can we talk about that for a second? Yo, that tackle reminded me of playing playing in college, like little club ball, little intramurals. That's a Sunday league special, boy. That that man that man went in with all ill intent. That's when that's when dudes styling on you for like eighty minutes. You come in and be like, Hey, 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 fuck you and who you rode in with. (laughs) That's 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 what that tackle looked like. So I might be in the majority here, but I I don't see an issue with the tackle. And the only reason why I say that is because in the it's early part of the game, yeah, in the early part of the game, he got tackled like the union player should have got sent off. It, he should have been sent off, but he wasn't. And as someone that's a firm believer in no blood, no foul, and he, he kind of did the same thing. Now, granted, he waited. Like, he, he was smart. Because if he would have did that tackle 20 seconds right after he got tackled, oh, he sent off. Like, because the ref knows. But he waited and he he sized them up. And he did it. I, I, I don't have a problem with it. I, I, I'm just going to say this, right? Like, there's no way that I can say that it wasn't a, send, a sending off offense. It was. But I understand. Yeah, it's 100% a sending off. But he was yeah, smart absolutely. about doing it. But I understand is what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, I can't defend you in court, but I understand, mm-hmm. my G. Like, it, I, I saw what happened early in the match, and I'm like, He's yeah. like trying to defend Fat Gucci Man in court. Like, you know you're not winning this case, <laughs> but he's paying what? you enough to try. Yes. Like, I mean, that's, that's where we're at with it, bro. That is where we're at with it. That's perfect. We don't need to speak on that moment anymore. But I like the way that the CONCACAF Champions League is shaping up, boys. It's kind of been kind of tasty. I still feel a way about the fact that we could have been, and when I say we, I mean Orlando City, could have been where um, the Portland Timbers are. That could have been us. You know what I'm saying? If we won the MLS's back tournament, we could have been there. But we shat the bed in the final. But full credit to the Portland Timbers for doing what they're doing. I mean, they're definitely taking this opportunity seriously. That is what everybody called the Mickey Mouse tournament, but that is what it means. So I hope everybody's ready to go ahead and eat crow on that one. Meanwhile, nobody cares about Club America. Absolutely nobody. Nobody here. Whoa, 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 whoa. Nobody. Nobody Wait a minute. Nobody cares. But nobody cares, though. 
what you're no. not gonna do, what the fuck but, you're not gonna but do. But nobody cares. I know. Listen, like, listen. I know both you and Elliot don't support the the best club in Mexico. I get it. No, no, no. no. Stop. Cut that. Wait, I don't have a club Mosler, in Mexico. Make sure that Mosler, if you wrestler, make sure that we cut this bit this? out. Like that shit, we're not letting the people hear that. Absolutely. Not. Uh, first of all, <laughs> vamos Club America. First no, of, no, 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 no. For making it to the next level in the CONCACAF tournament, a.k.a. the next, uh, a.k.a. Uh, where the uh, La Liga MX shows out. Okay, all right. Mm. Uh, okay. I, I, I don't know. They've, I mean, they've, they've, they've been unimpressed. support that one, my guy. Yeah. Like, mm. In the past, yeah. not this season, but in the past, in the past, Mm-hmm. The uh, La Liga M- MX clubs have been showing out in the this past. The season where the, 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 this is the first season where the MLS clubs have actually done their part as far as their business is concerned, and as far as like showing up and doing what they're supposed to be doing. But in the past, this used to be the and and it, and because they're honestly, and I think the MLS brass would agree, there was a low period where they didn't really care about the. Con- the clubs would go down there, qualify or whatever, and they just wouldn't show up. And that wasn't the case for the Liga MX clubs. It just wasn't. And I'm and you're and and I'm including all of the Liga MX clubs, and not just the one I support. So, you know, usually, mm-hmm. this, yeah, yeah, that's kind of convenient. But I'm talking about all of them. Yeah, now. yeah, no, fair, fair, fair. And we'll see I, next round, real quick, real quick. Next round, it's every, at least as it's looking right now at the time we're recording, there are three matchups that are set already. We're going to get an MLS semifinalist because Atlanta plays Philadelphia in their quarterfinal. But it's Portland versus Club America in one semifinal, or in one quarterfinal. It's Toronto versus Cruz Azul in the other semifinal. And if the results hold as they stand now, it would be Columbus versus Monterey. So it would be MLS versus uh, Liga MX. Um, for every quarterfinal for CONCACAF Champions League, if everything oh, holds damn. out. Wow. Except, you see except, how CONCACAF does people? Except for Atlanta and Philadelphia. So, right. The other three will be um, will be between the two leagues. Um, as a matter of fact, it was um, – who was it? I believe in That's one of expected. the – Right. Toronto beat um, Leon in the first round. So, that we already had MLS uh, Liga MX. Um, and Toronto did win that one. So, so my my point is this: uh, as far as this whole thing is concerned, is that um, the MLS teams you never show up in this tournament, right? Like, and the fact that they're overrepresented in the quarterfinal ranks and and inevitably in the semifinals, it, it it's kind of a I don't know what that says. It it smells like an asterisk like the Liverpool league win, right? This feels like a, one of those things where, okay. I, I mean, but, Columbus, uh, is, Columbus well, is still alive in the competition, though, Arma, and they are the MLS Cup champions. No, no, that's, that's fine. That's fine. I'm saying that this has been Liga Yankees tournament since forever, so... Um, what what's different this year? I'm looking for insight from from any of you oh, folks well, who follow. So, like, why is this so different this so, go round? So this go round, I think part part of it's the draw. So part of it, the draw is affected because of um, COVID nineteen and the pandemic last year. 
So certain spots were just decided because certain competitions didn't finish or whatever. So, you know, they just distributed certain ways. So um, as I recall, I think U.S. and Mexico automatically, each of their delegations gets like four. Um, Canada gets like one, things like that. And then like each of like whoever wins the Caribbean Cup gets in. That's why like the first round had like the one team from Haiti that made it. Um, and then it's split up between Central America for those remaining spots, I think. So mm-hmm. it naturally, yeah. And then the draws, you know, the pots are different. You know how they do all the coefficients and stuff. So it's just how things are drawn. So, I mean, even, you know, just looking at the, so this is right. The first round of 16 is based on, you know, whoever won, uh, I think it's MLS Cup, Supporter Shield, and like the two top runners up after that, those get automatic spots, so on and so forth. And, like, whoever wins the Clausura and um, the other competition, you know, the winner will run her up for Mexico. That gives them their four spots. Um, so it, it's interesting to see. And then how the pots are drawn is who's – right. So in that first round, you only had one MLS Liga MEX X matchup. So it's kind of interesting to see, too, on that side of just maybe this is – the draw was favorable for MLS this time, too. You know, they got to face some, like, easier sides. They didn't have to face like the Mexican sides earlier on. And then Toronto did win against um, Leon. So not like they can't handle it again. So it might be two things, luck of the draw and also MLS trying to catch up in quality. We'll see what happens. Like there's only, there's a guaranteed MLS person just because of Atlanta, Philadelphia, but Portland still has to take care of business. Toronto still would have to take care of business. Columbus would still have to take care of business. So we'll see. Yeah. Elliot, what were you gonna say? I was just gonna say like that's exactly the same thing. Like it's it's weird to see what five MLS teams in the in the uh, round of eight. So I just hope we they, they can make it through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that by itself is an asterisk, right? Like to me, because it's like something may add up, right? And that's and that's what it is. Thanks for the. I have my own issues with U.S. soccer. I don't think about it as an asterisk that these teams are getting in, just because of the fact like they are playing them on the field. They're they're, they're legitimately beating them. No, like, I don't know that that that's fine, but they're not playing the competition in the natural spaces that they would if everything played out on merit, like it uh, like it did in prior seasons. That's the asterisk. So right? let me ask this then, but like with that same logic, are we putting an asterisk beside the Champions League winner? The winner of La Liga, yep. the winner of yep. Premier League. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we just okay. talked about some teams doing better and some teams doing worse with fans and no fans. Like that's that's the same to me. It's the same thing. Like the same. We said no, this I, about I, I Liverpool's res- win. I respect that. Yeah. I respect that because like, you see a lot of people like they'll put that standard just on here, but they won't apply it to Europe. But no, nah. I respect that. 100%. Nah. I mean, it's, football. <laughs> it's football. Like it is what it is. I mean, we try to be consistent as we possibly can. But, like, with that said, we should put some respect on Tigres's name. They did make the Club World Cup. Do you know what I mean? Like, they did they, make the final. Yeah. They did make the final, too. Like, they had a very good run. And uh, that guy, uh, what's his name? Um, is it Gigan? Gignac. Gignac. Yeah. My <laughs> Lord in heaven. This guy can score a fucking goal when he's in the mood. I. Just like I will put some respect on Tigres's name as a proud Chivas de Guadalajara supporter, I think that he's one of the best that Liga MX has available to them in terms of talent. Like he's brilliant. 
night, but the team did well to get as far as they did. And they only lost 1-0 to Bayern Munich. So let's put some respect on their name. You know what I'm saying? Like, could have gone either way that match. Yeah, saying we gotta that... Talk, we got to yeah. talk about them pretty soon, too. Yeah, we'll talk about them pretty soon. But before we take a break, I did want to touch on, we do know now, at the time of recording, champions in Europa League uh, back in Europe. Uh, those semifinals are set in Champions League. Uh, PSG did hold on um, to move forward. They'll be playing Man City. Um, in the other semifinal, Chelsea did uh, take care of business against Porto. Real Madrid did hold off Liverpool, so they'll be in the other semifinal. Um, and then in Europa League, uh, the matches today, Arsenal shook off a very poor first performance to do a very dynamic second performance to move forward um, to set up the United Emery Derby against Villarreal, and uh, Manchester United easily handled Granada. They'll be seeing uh, Roma in the semifinal for the, for uh, Europa League. Um, guys, what, what predictions do you see for the finals for each of the competitions? Arsenal-Man United final. Let's get it, boys, because that's what we need. That's what anybody wants. Nobody cares about Roma. And nobody cares about Villarreal. Listen, full respect to Unai Emery. You know what I'm saying? Like, without him, we wouldn't have Gabriel Martinelli. Let's go ahead and make that clear. So, like, he was the one that had the foresight to go ahead and get this kid. But as far as I'm concerned... Eh, that's, that's, that's on Edu Gaspar. Don't put some respect on his name. Well, I mean, yes, but at the end of the day, the, the manager works with the director of football to go ahead and pull talent in. The director of football might have the final say, but like at the end of the day, like Unai Emery scouted we, this kid. We can talk about we can talk about the the Pepe deal under his reign. Yeah, um, we can. but uh. but, <laughs> but but um, I, but I like your I like your pick. I think it'll be fun. I don't want another all England final though. Um, so I'd rather mm-hmm. see Arsenal be anybody else, right? Well, I'd rather just be Roma. Arsenal. <laughs> it's just Arsenal Roma. There's only four guys left now. I, no, I mean it, it is what it is, right? Like yeah. uh, it, it's it's one of those things where like yeah, we saw Chelsea last time. I I um especially because we had I think we had a European final, a uh, semifinal round that had too many English sides um, that season, and I felt like that was. Um, I was not representative of the state of world football and I felt, or at least European football. And, and I didn't like that. And I, I don't want this, the same ridiculous crowing from pundits, especially English pundits uh, talking about the supremacy of the premier league and, and blah, 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 blah. Cause, cause like, fuck y'all. Um, I mean, I need... <laughs> but yeah, I mean that English supremacy is why they keep the coefficients up and why we have so many European so we fall off we can still kind of make it and get a little bit of revenue uh, uh, did you guys have any that Champions is, League that is colonizer that's peak colonizer energy wow wow I mean I, I can't really argue against that because man's spitting facts right now but I mean at the end of the day you know what it is I still want to see it I still want to see Arsenal Man United in the Europa League final I, I, I would have preferred if those bottle jobs at White Hart Lane didn't get their shit rocked against Dinamo Zagreb. I would have loved an Arsenal Spurs final. Like, let's be fucking Avenue. So we can remind you once again who North London 
actually belongs to. You know what I'm saying? But no, you had to go ahead and get your ass kicked, thoroughly kicked by that Dina Mozargo striker who scored not one, not two, but three absolutely magnificent goals against you because you suck. Donkey dick. That's what you do. Do you understand? Like, I don't care. We'll take Arsenal Man United, I think, because I think that would be an amazing final. And especially for where it will be hosted. So, with that in mind, do your job, Man United. Do your fucking job. We'll do ours. Thank you very much. And we'll see you in the final. That's how I'm feeling about it. So, I'm going to take United over Roma. United wins both games. Um, well, let me correct that. United goes through, but they lose the second game. They win the first game, but they win the, uh, they win the second game. I mean, they lose the second game. I think Villarreal beats Arsenal. And the only reason why I say that is because I think there's any game Unai Emery wants to win, it's this one. It, it's just... This one, man. Valid, valid point. Has a little, lot of, lot of it's, sauce to this, this match. Is there, because how many times have we seen it when an ex-coach, and this isn't any sport, it comes also, back. And to add to that, is this is his forte, is the Europa League. Is, yeah, that's yeah. what he does well. So, so. I, so a little quick stat for those that don't know I'm a history major, I love history. Um, this man has been in six semifinals. He's only lost one, and that was back in 2000. 12, I believe, with Valencia. That's insane. And I, man, I'm telling you, yo, if there's anyone that, if I'm Arsenal, man, I'm not overlooking Villarreal trying to be like, oh, we can have Man United in the final. No, no don't get me wrong. No, no don't get me wrong. Gerard Moreno don't get me is, wrong. Is, no. is dangerous. Absolutely like, not. Villarreal is definitely going to be the biggest test that we faced all season long, regardless of competition. But yeah. I would like for everybody to cast your mind back to a certain FA Cup semifinal. Mikel Arteta <laughs> was just in the job. You understand? He was understudy to men like Pep Guardiola. And what did we do? We beat them 2-0. You understand? Wax dash. Absolutely played them off the pitch. I don't care what any city supporter wants to say. You can suck my dick from the back. We beat the shit out of you that day. And what I will also remind you is that Mikel Arteta needs to win this just as much, if not more so, than Unai Emery does. Absolutely. Yes, Unai Emery is going to have the bit between his teeth. But you know, who re- you know whose whole project, his whole vision is riding on this tie? It's Mikel Arteta. And it's not really fair to him because he got off to a magnificent start. Man set records. Nobody has won as much as he has in the short amount of time that he has been manager of, the, uh, of any club. You know, like he literally set a record doing that. My thing is, is that I think he's absolutely suited for this kind of competition. Backs against the mm-hmm. wall needs to win the Europa League to make sure that Arsenal get into the Champions League. It is a must-have. Otherwise, it's going to be a fire sale this summer. And I don't think the club really wants to do that. So... Yeah, like we talked about in the chat. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal. This is a huge match. And I don't think people really understand the gravitas towards it. So, full respect to Unai Emery, I personally feel like 
he was hard done by when he got sacked, but the writing was on the wall. But yeah, I believe in what, what Mikel Arteta's doing, and I really feel like he's got to win this, and I back us to go ahead and do the business. Oh, yeah. Real, Real. Yeah, I think it's it's like really the injury sheet will will tell who's available and who's in form will di- dictate how that semifinal goes. I, I do agree um, that you, <laughs> you don't count your chickens before they're hatched um, against Villarreal. And yeah, when I am, re- so for me, like the weight of history um, for some clubs is, is too much to bear. And for some, for other clubs, you know. It is what it is, you know. It's just part of how we do things, and the history of the Tottenham and the history of the Arsenal are a little different. And I feel like, um, especially given how terrible, oh damn, Portland just scored on Chicago. Uh, but the history of of Arsenal in this tournament is, you know, we've never won the Europa. Like I think it's time we need it. Um, I think we can focus on this tournament over the league because league position is completely trash. So if if rotations need to happen, the folks need to rest, blah, 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 all that can happen. Like things are set up for Arteta to put out his best team for those two matches and get us into that final. Once you get into the final, anything can happen. And I'm I'm good with that. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right, because they actually get a pretty good break. They play on Friday the 23rd, and then they don't play again until that first semifinal on the 29th, first leg. Um, Champions League, though, curious. I personally love drama. I always want Real Madrid to lose, so unfortunately, going to be rooting for Chelsea PSG in the Champions League final, just because I want to see, like, Tuchel drama going right back to PSG right after they got fired, or fired him. Um, what do you guys see in that competition in terms of prediction? Real Madrid and Man City. I, that's that's no, what I want. No, 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 no. PSG. <laughs> I said from the very beginning that whoever wins the tie between PSG and Bayern Munich goes on to win the Champions League. Oh, PSG my fault. I that. totally slipped that up. I don't know why I was thinking Real Madrid played PSG. I want, yeah, I want to see PSG, PSG versus Real Madrid. I yes. really feel like if Mbappe wins it with PSG, you can make the case there's not a reason for him to go to Real Madrid. He's kind of accomplished I mean, everything. Yeah, Real Madrid are definitely in a kind of like a win-win position. If they make the final and then lose it to, you know, Kylian Mbappe's PSG, they can make the case that, okay, well, you've done everything for that club, so you might as well come over here. Like, yeah, I definitely see that. They can definitely finagle that. They've done that in the past. Hell, they did that with the guy that went on to be manager for them, Zinedine Zidane. Like, he, they nipped him off of um, Juventus, saying, hey, well, you've done everything that you could possibly do for Juventus. You might as well come over here. And they managed to cox him over. And he went ahead and did amazing things there. I think Kylian Mbappe would definitely go in the same kind of direction. I want a PSG Madrid final. I don't want any English clubs in the final. Certainly not Man City. And definitely not fucking Chelsea. Fuck them, right? That fucking racist club. I don't want them anywhere near Champions League final. I don't give a shit about Thomas Tuchel. Your beef with PSG is your business. Fuck you. No. I want to see Kylian Mbappe win the Champions League final. And I want to see him hoist that fucking glorious trophy over Real Madrid's bitch ass. 
That's what I want. That's what, that's the energy I need to see. And that's the dream final for me. You know so, what is going to be so spicy? <clears throat> Not about see Pochettino versus Pep Guardiola again. Oh my god. Well, that would be kind of nice. But I don't care. Yeah. I no, want... that is, no, that's, that's what we are seeing. That's the, that's the semifinal. They get to see that is the semifinal. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So, so it's two legs. Yeah, they, yeah, might, just... they might get into a fight. You know, it, go, it goes all the way back. It's not even Spurs and City. This goes back to Espanol and Barca. Like, yeah. It, they've it always had blood beef. between them. Yeah, it's they've always countries. Had it's real. They mm-hmm. don't. That is the that is a, such a good semi final. It's mouth watering. But I need PSG to do the business. Please book your ticket to the final. Madrid, make sure you do away with Chelsea. Fuck them. They shouldn't even be anywhere near we'll this, this part. They can't even we'll make it into the top four. Fuck Chelsea. Like, like I don't like fuck them. Seriously. I'm gonna say this. Like, I'm gonna say this. If. Killian Bobby scores in the semifinals, both semifinal games and the final. Because I had Ron Lewandowski winning the Ballon d'Or, the one he should have won last year. Killian Bobby might win Ballon d'Or just out for his Champions League run. Just I want it for him like, so bad. Like, I want it for him so bad. Like, yeah, man, so but good. I'm saying like he it's almost like it's almost like Killian Bobby has to go on that Kimball Walker esque run. Like when he won the NCAA tournament. <laughs> like, the biggies, the biggies six story. games in a row and him dropping 20 in a row. He's gonna have to go on mm-hmm. that kind of run. Yeah. If anybody can go ahead and make mincemeat out of a city defense, again, Jonathan, you're not here to kind of combat this, but how dare you compare John Stones to Tony Adams? He's not gonna be able to deal with someone like Kylian Mbappe. John Stones is gonna be absolutely roasted out here. Tony Adams well, can, can outdrink John Stones, so that's a proven fact why he's better. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, but but John Stones has a better Jamaican accent. Okay, that's Moving not on. either. So why Moving would you do this on. when we have violent. a guest in the pub, Ama? <laughs> like, God damn it! Always anyway, listen, fuck all of that. You understand what I'm saying to you? PSG, take this. This is yours. <laughs> take it. You understand? Kylian Mbappe, King Kylian. This is your time, brethren. Go for the jugular. Yeah. Do it. Do it. I want you to know. Every time I see John Stones from now on, yo, I'm going to think about this man with a Jamaican accent and a B-pad. Please. Oh, no. That's not what we want the banter pub. We're still doing, we're still dealing with fucking Chet Hanks' nonsense and Almo's going to hurt God. You You know what? No. (laughs) No, thank you. Fuck that. I don't. Mm -hmm. Let's let's go back to our Mm -hmm. talk about how Mm -hmm. we were shocked that Russ Mm -hmm. Russ Barkley was, uh, Mm -hmm. was he Nigerian? Like we were shocked? Yes, he is. Yeah. Nigerian grandfather. That's right. Yep. Shocked. There we go. This man black, y'all sure? Y'all show he got a little black and out here. I mean, look, <laughs> like Jonathan, bless him. Um, usually called you know for first him as what Cake City FC. Wow, um, Cheek City, Cake City, because that's unfortunately you can see the Nigerian in his clap wagon. You can see that shit. Like it's it's there. <laughs> Clap wagon, oh, sir. My, yeah, please. Absolutely. This is so, <laughs> this is so much going on. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I said it. Yes, mm-hmm. you did. Um, I, did. <laughs> uh, I, I gotta like, 
as cool as it would be to see the Tuchel Bowl, I guess, as it's being phrased. That sounds like a toilet. The, I mean, it really does. Like I mean, Clorox, right there in the rim, son. Like, you know, you've got to make sure you set that before you actually brush it out. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, well, if you remember his style of uh, managing at PSG, I guess you would call it a toilet bowl. And that's why he goes fired um, and moved to a shit club like Chelsea. So it all works out. Um, moving on. <laughs> I think that uh, I got it as far as the final is concerned for the Champions League and also for Europa. I'd love to see Arsenal uh, United in the final. Um, uh I'd love to see that, obviously, for obvious reasons, for for the Banter Pub reasons, but then for the Champions League, I need PSG, they got to do And, you know, I think a real title fight would be, um, you know, Mbappe at, at PSG showing Real Madrid why he, you know, showing off for Real Madrid before he goes there. Uh, because he didn't sign, uh, I think it was reported a month and a half ago that he didn't sign his uh, contract extension. So he's... Waiting to leave, unfortunately, um, which sucks. But I need him to hoist that uh, Champions League trophy um, because we know another striker that is being compared to him that isn't going to lift it at all. But uh, moving on, Adam, let's go to yeah, break. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, Mbappe has the chance to follow up, Elliot, what you were saying. That Ballon d'Or, if he, wins the, if he wins this, and remember he has a chance for Euros this year, if they win it there too. That would add it. I think he would steal it from Lewandowski, oh, too. It is, and I'm glad, so glad you brought it up. It reminds me of, I know Neil is probably going to laugh when I say this, but the Antoine Griezmann run, where he won, La, well, he, didn't, yeah. he didn't win La Liga, but he won, like, they did very good in Spain, won uh, Europa League, lost in the Euros, and that literally cost him Ballon d'Or that year. Because he was in pain, like, everyone was talking about Griezmann that year, like, yeah. he win it, they can win the Euros, and he didn't. And ever since then, Antoine Griezmann has not been the same ever since he's lost at, le, he, since he has left at Letty. Oh, at all. Believe me, as a Barca supporter, I know. But, yeah, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to uh, pick Elliot's brain a lot because he's the uh, resident USL supporter um, as we look, as they look to kick off their season. We'll be right back after this. The goddamn sauce. Nine different flavors. Same goddamn feeling. Share our passion for sauce and discover the full goddamn range at www.thegdsauce.com. Hashtag Boss Up. Thank you for staying with us in the Bands of Pub FC. Um, we're going to be talking about the United States leagues are starting up. We know NWSL started up last weekend. Um, but we have one of the biggest Richmond Kicker supporters in the building in Elliot's name um, as we look to see... Did say the... me in, literally? <laughs> uh, look to see as USL starts off. Um, Elliot, tell us, what are you looking forward to see um, this season? What what new changes that happen in USL that you're excited to see as they continue to grow? Um, so I would say this year I'm excited, one, because... I think majority of fans will be not majority. Most USL teams will have fans back, so the atmosphere will definitely be there. Um, as you all know, I am a Richmond Kickers fan, so we're in League One. Um, I do have a couple of games for those that are looking to get into USL. Um, it's a couple of games you should watch. 
there are a couple of teams you should watch out for. So I would say that starting off with the USL Championship, um, with kicks off this Saturday, matter of fact, um, you got two games going on. You got Louisville City playing against Atlanta United 2. There's no reason for you to watch that game. Louisville's probably going to win that game 3 nothing and just cool out. Um, but the game you probably want to watch is going to be the Derby in Oklahoma between Oklahoma City Energy and FC Tulsa. For those who don't know, um, FC Tulsa has a patch on this league called Greenwood, which represents uh, Black Wall Street because they are from Tulsa. Um, so if you go buy their black kit, uh, most of those proceeds goes towards the Black uh, Wall Street Foundation down there. So that's a cool. Good but there's also a derby hey. between these two teams. So um, pause, pause. That so, right, right there. That's that's that's. That, I say let's 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 let's. That context is important, and I feel like you know we're a black podcast. That. Yeah, you know, that's this is this is one you, of the reasons. You want me to put my teacher hat on? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Why? Is that <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <clears throat> my bad. So, for those who don't know, on, Black Wall Street was an area in Tulsa. Um, I'm not fully sure about the Pacifics, but it was in Tulsa around uh, the 1920s. Now. For those who don't know, the 1920s in America was an affluent period. You had Harlem was bustling. You had Richmond. Baltimore. These were black neighborhoods and areas that were known as Black Millionaire Row. Like for Richmond, for instance, if you ever come to Richmond, um, there's a famous street called Two Street. Off that street, you had 10 of the most wealthiest black entrepreneurs been on that street. People like Megan Walker, um, Bojangles, such and such. Now, in Tulsa, you have Black Wall Street. This was the area in Tulsa in which African-Americans had their own businesses, very uh, wealthy, things like that. But fortunately, they got bombed and teared to shreds by those white people, pretty much for a good reason. The society, like, we don't like you. We don't like what you're doing. We're just going to bomb your business. And it kind of got brushed underneath um, the rug, as you would say. And it hasn't been talked about since. My bad. So FC Tulsa decided to pretty much, I would say in the last two or three years, they've done a better job of recognizing the history of Tulsa because they have a predominantly, predominantly black players, of course, with the USL BPA. Um, they've done a lot more in the community. I have to tip my hat to them. What they're doing is partnering with black businesses in the city of FC Tulsa, um, pretty much putting them on the forefront. Um, they're kind of doing the same thing at Birmingham as well. They have a kit specifically designed for um the Montgomery bus boycotts and things of that nature down there in Birmingham. Um so SC Tulsa with this patch is on the right hand side. It looks very dope. It's very clean. Um but if you buy the patch or you buy the jersey, the proceeds that go to go towards the restoration of Black Wall Street and keeping the history and those buildings alive and around. Yeah, I was done teaching for the thank, day, man. Thank, <laughs> thank, thank you. Uh, I, this is this is important because you know what, what we're a soccer we're a soccer podcast, but you know um, the context and the 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 political context that soccer operates in is is extremely important to outline and and respond to. It shapes our world. That and I'll say that Black Wall Street was also like it was a continuation of a thread of white supremacist violence across the United States against black people and especially targeting black service members returning from World War One. 
um, lynchings. I mean, I think, I don't know. There was probably, there was over 20 in 1919, mm-hmm. the summer of 1919, there was probably over 20 white racist, I'm not even going to call them riots, massacres across the country um, in opposition to, to black upliftment. Right. And so um, while, you know, some people heard might may first have heard about Black Wall Street because they're nerds and watched, you know, the HBO show uh, that fictionalized the report like that is this, this is this is American history and we haven't really come to terms with that. So big up to the uh, the Tulsa football team for actually doing something um, in, in modern times to to try to, you know, make make things a little bit better and to increase uh, the general awareness about what this country really is like. Um so that game is of course on Saturday. I think it's like an eight o'clock kickoff. By the way, if you're interested in watching USL Championship or League One, all games are on ESPN Plus. So if you have ESPN Plus, you can watch the games. If you don't have ESPN Plus, I know a lot of fans don't know this or people looking to watch the games, you can go on to YouTube the day after and watch the games on YouTube for free. Um, so they do that as well. But the interesting thing about this game, the last five games, there has been four draws, all of them 1-1. The last game before this game kicked off was 3-2, and it was 88th winning goal to pretty much knock OKC, I believe, out of the playoffs. So if you're looking to watch the championship, there's a couple of teams you probably want to watch out for. Uh, you got Phoenix Rising, of course. They're an interesting club. Louisville City, Tampa Bay Rowdy, Sacramento Republic, uh, El Paso, Motive. Um, Indy 11 is another interesting squad out there as well. Rest in peace one, to St. Louis FC. Yeah, man. It was really sad to see them leave because I would have loved I would love to see them. I would have loved to see another derby between them and Indy Eleven. Yes, I was at the last. I was one. like one of the games that I know I like. I had to watch. There was like certain games in the championship, like that are must watch TV, like St. Louis Indy Eleven, Louisville versus FC Cincinnati. You want to go even further back, uh, Richmond, where we were in it, Richmond, Charleston, Pittsburgh, and Wilmington. Like those were must watch derbies. Like. You know, like, all right, I got to turn the TV on for this one because I know it's going to be turned up. And that's usually um, for the, so like, uh, the, Lamar, the Lamar Hunt Open Cup. Like, I think <clears throat> when you talk about the level of energy for those matches, we have to also include the New York Cosmos against New York City FC. That was an incredible time. Oh like, God. that was insane. Oh Unbelievable. Man. Like, that's the shit that you live for as a football fan like that is it that was so good i would just like and that's what gives me so much hope for the usl league one like i see a lot of good teams here fort lauderdale is in greenville triumph is here ford madison is here um richmond kickers as we mentioned before north carolina fc are here chattanooga red wolves are here um both new england two and uh, Toronto FC 2 are here. FC Tucson, Union Omaha. I literally asked earlier today why uh, Nebraska doesn't seem to have a professional sports team, like a major professional sports team. Like, what's really going on there? <laughs> you know what I mean? But Union Omaha are here representing. And I, I rate them for that. Um, North Texas FC is out here. Um, and I think this Pelican means New Orleans. 
No, South Georgia. South Georgia tournament. Yeah, South Georgia. South yeah. Georgia. Uh, so, so down here in League One, I would say it's rather it's a new league, new league. So this is only the third year of USL League One, and this is probably the most y'all are probably going to talk about <laughs> USL on this on this podcast. That, that means you got. That means you're going to have to come back. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to come back. Um, you have to come back to at least at the very least do a, a season wrap up. So yeah, definitely. Right, sure. I got you. I got you. I got you. So mid-season, a season wrap up. So I'm dedicated. There you go. To exactly. You got it. Also, we gonna bring you into like the U.S. <laughs> Open, the U.S. Open Cup stuff as well. Yeah, man. We up. have to. Like, there's just so many. There's so many potential. There's so much potential. So many no. ties this season. Like, it's gonna be insane. And and you can you can hip us to the politics behind who gets slots in that. Oh my god, I could I could talk about that for days. Um. So for USL League One, I would say, first of all, let me tell you, there's probably no games to really watch this weekend. Um, I say that is because the two independent teams play uh, League Two teams. So you got Richmond playing against Revs 2. If you want to watch the game, the interesting thing about Richmond this year is that we have three Argentinians, Ar- Argentinians and they all played at River Plate. So the only joke here in Richmond is that we're changing our name to uh, River Kickers. Um. Respect, respect. And, <laughs> please don't do that. Please, please don't do that. Please, don't. James, the James River if Twitter is to be listed. Yeah, to yeah, be that's the way to. everyone's going. James River Kickers. Love James River Kickers. I, love, I love the sound of that. River Plate is my team, son. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, sure. So that would be an interesting game to watch. Um, also, we have a player named Alex Anderson. He just recently played for the Saint Vincent and Grenadines. So the reason I'm, I'm also bringing it up is because mm. if you don't know, uh, Saint Vincent and Grenadines are I'm kind of covered in the cloud of ash smoke from the volcano. So if you go to the Risky Kickers page, you can donate to that page because we're doing a fundraiser along the Ohio to send supplies over there to the island over there. Um, but he recently just played in the World Cup qualifier and he scored. Um, so we're probably going to be missing him again around June because they're getting ready for CONCACAF Nations League. So uh, I'm going to be sad to see him leave, but I'm also wishing him the best. And then the other game that night, you have South Georgia versus Fort Lauderdale. Uh, you can watch that game, but you might want to put another <laughs> game on the TV. It's not going to be all that interesting, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, but if you're looking for a team to watch or and follow, I would say, of course, you have FC Meme. That's what they say that full name because I'm not saying it. Uh, Greenville, Richmond, of course. And I'll probably say North Texas because although they are the feeder club to um, – Dallas, I gotta say they're probably the best two team in both USL Championship and League One. Yeah, and before we slide off uh the kickers, gotta shout out their jerseys that look just like an Arsenal jersey should. <laughs> Listen to me, son. I was just out here saying, look, I was only gonna get two more shirts. That was it. It was gonna be the Orlando Pride Astro shirt at Astro shirt, excuse me. I need that in my life, especially that I have um, matching Nikes that literally match that color scheme. I have to have them. Like, it's just, it's got to be done. And the uh, Charlotte, uh, no, excuse me, Maryland Bobcats. Why did I think Charlotte Bobcats? We're not talking about the NBA. That was, <laughs> that, was a, that was a huge mistake. Anyway. That was hella old school. But that glitch kit, absolutely need that. Need that in my life. 
But then here come the Richmond fucking kickers with this absolutely glorious, wonderful <laughs> Arsenal. Uh, sorry. Um, well, yeah. Uh, added as Arsenal shirt. It looks very similar to the first one that we had when Adidas was back on board. I love it. I think it's absolutely drippy. I need it in my life. But yeah, I think it must be copped anyway because I have to attend a Henny Derby. And as we have the creator <laughs> of the Henny Derby on, oh, kind of feels fitting for the creator of the Henny Derby to tell us how that all came about. Mate, where did you become up with the genius of pairing the world's best cognac with <laughs> some of the world's finest football? How did that come about? Um, so first of all, I'm not the I'm the co-creator. Kyle is the other creator uh for God, I gotta say their name, Ford Madison. Um, he is the other co-creator. Um Look, man, if you know me, like, so for those who don't know, I take rivalries and derbies very seriously to the point where I won't say their name unless I really, really have to for context reasons. So, like, for instance, I am a Virginia State Trojan. I will not say Virginia Union's name without first referring to them as Lombardi Tech or the 13th grade. I, I won't do it. I refuse to. Um, so being a Richmond kicker fan, like Shout I won't call for Madison. Fuck them. <laughs> that I'd be that with I the whole song. I, I didn't say that. That was him. <laughs> Shout out to all my exes at Virginia Union. Fuck them. Hope they don't got degrees. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the way how the Hindi Derby came about was pretty much. Um, for all those that know, Ford and Madison came in and they were like the love squad of everyone. So everyone was in love with them. Um, they could do no wrong. And Richmond Kickers, if you don't know, is like this kind of conservative-ish team. Um, so like it, the, the two styles of the team never really mixed. So and got, honestly, we're like a thousand miles apart from each other. So you would never think like, oh, there should be a derby there. But uh, the fan bases got to intermingling with each other. You know, there was kind of like some shit talking going back between each other. So the first Henny Derby, um, Richmond was going to go play Madison. So I text Kyle and I was like, yo, you want to bet a ball with Hennessy? And he was like, yeah, sure. Like, it is what it is. Like, fine, whatever. Um, And Richmond won that game. And to this day, like, Daniel Jackson, I told him he can name my kids. Like, he... <laughs> He is the reason why the Hitty Darby is what it is because we got that first win in Madison. Like, that is, I don't think the Hitty Darby hits the level of what it does if Richmond loses that first game. The fact that we won it, it's kind of just like, oh, not like it's kind of creeped up to another level. Um, and the reason why I hit that level is because Kyle had to ship me a ball of Hennessy. Now, the funny story about that is in Wisconsin, you can't ship liquor unless you another package. It's almost like how they do marijuana. Like you gotta sell like, like a cup to buy the marijuana. Um, so Kyle shipped me the ball of Hennessy with like a Ford Madison scarf. I was like, all right, this is taking shit talking to a whole nother level. So a week later, we played Ford Madison again. Unfortunately, we lost that game, and but I didn't sink Kyle the bottle back because it was like by the time the bottle got to me, the game was already over. So the third Henny Derby was in Richmond, 
And the reason why this one blew up the way how it did is because not only was it the Henny Darby, but it was also Heritage Night, which is the night that I created with the Richmond Kickers. I mean, Heritage Night is a night that pretty much represents, it, it pretty much it gives name recognition and represents the Black community. Um, it has never been a night like that from what I've seen in Black, I mean, in soccer culture, period. Um, so pretty much that night, we, I think, I think we rose north of $2,000 um, to donate to the Black History Museum here in Richmond. Alcampa, which was a soccer fund foundation in Southside Richmond, which helps uh, Latin kids pretty much help them stay in school, but also learn the fundamentals of soccer. In the summer camp, they get to take all the equipment, like the goals, the nets, the balls, the shingars, the cleats, with them home. They get to keep this equipment. And then I'm also a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. We have an education foundation, which pretty much goes into Richmond Public Schools to mentor kids in the elementary and middle school levels so that they can progress on to high school and then on to college. And that gives a $1,000 scholarship to five uh, five participants of that program. Those were the three organizations. And I was the only one recruiting this. So do you guys remember like Copa 90 USA? All right. So um, around that time too, like I was recruiting everyone. Like I was recruiting the Cooligans, Total Soccer Show, Copa Down USA. Like, I was tagging everyone. And I kept, you know, tagging people. Like, yo, come on down. Like, not only is it the Hitty Darby, but, like, you know, it's the Harris United. It's about Black supporter culture. And the thing that kind of made it blow up even more is that Ford Madison was doing this ignition tour. So they were traveling from Madison in, in a bus all the way to Richmond. So they made stops at, like, Chicago, uh, West Virginia, I think. Asheville, North Carolina, came back up to Richmond, even bought like the Renegados, uh, the Latin supporters group for North Carolina and North Carolina Courage Up and uh, the OCS brought them up. So like in this game, you literally had, oh, well, let me back up as well. So for this game, everyone wanted to, you know, Ford Madison was FC meme and everyone wanted to see them. Um. I would say, man, it was like soccer royalty in that place. Because not only did you have Daryl Grove, may he rest in peace, uh, Taylor Rockwell, you had Jason Davies, you had Pablo Mara, Andy Sneeves. You had all these guys are like known soccer legends, like at this game, like, record, like you know, just there, chilling. Um, and it was the first game that I've ever been to in America where most supporter groups, like, we, so if you ever look at look F City Stadium, don't look at the one section where, like, it's just stands going straight up because we don't sit on that side. It's trash. It's condemned. If you sit on that side, you're probably getting tetanus, and we don't got insurance, so you're on your own. You sit in the lower bowl section. So the way how the supporters groups are set up, we sit in section O, which is right behind the south corner flag. Ford Madison supporters group was in the section right beside us. So the whole night, they're chanting, we're chanting, and it's just like an echoing boom. Like it, it was the most deafening like sound I've ever heard. And man, the other thing about that night, we also had um Highland Springs. So for those who don't know, Highland Springs is a predominantly black high school here in Richmond. They are like athletes powerhouse. Um, think of Macho Harris. They have, I think, the six time record cheerleading state champions 
Like these guys have won uh, state football championships four years in a row, basketball championships six years in a row. Like they're a, they're like a powerhouse. So we have their drum line, their cheerleaders there as well. And it had like that HBCU feel to it, which man, it was just amazing. And I tell everyone all the time, like if you've never been to an HBCU homecoming, one, you have to go. Like you have to go experience that because that's only a taste of what the Hindi Derby gave to people. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that amazing, yeah, amazing history. Like, <laughs> that, that was just that was just a blessing. You know what I'm saying? I was it getting nervous the... as well because like all of y'all was quiet. I was like, oh my god, am I talking too much? No, bro. No, like, we we're cap. You had a captive audience right here. You really uh, did, because like you talk about the HBCU homecomings. The one that I know the that I'm most familiar with is the Florida Classic. That's between FAMU and Bethune Cookman College. And that shit was lit. I've been to maybe about, mm, I just want to say about two or three of them, possibly a fourth, but my memory's hazy. So if that is the kind of atmosphere that Richmond Kickers for Madison match has, sign me the fuck up for that. I need that in my life. That is absolutely brilliant. So yeah, Elliot, um, this this whole Richmond Kickers Ford Madison Henny Derby atmosphere definitely something that is what would is it fair to call it black owned? Do you think that's something that you would definitely? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. It's black owned because it mirrors everything of what black excellence back black excellence is. You know, it's it has like the cookout vibes to it, the HBCU vibes to it. It has like the swag. You know, pretty much like it's not a derby where. It's not like the North London Derby or it's not like the New York Derby or El Clasico where both sides hate each other because of proximity. It's not like we hate each other because of history. Both sides have no reason to really hate each other. It's just we just we want to outdo the other. You know, it's like a little brother, big brother rivalry. That's blackness. Big brother in the situation That's blackness right there. I'm trying to get like you. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. And we out here we have the we have the gateway classic. And it's uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff in Tuskegee, and and if you're if you're in St. Louis and you've never been to one of those, you're missing out. You know what I mean? Like just flat out, the, yeah, the vibe throughout the city oh, is, is is unmatched. And then over here, hey man, I'm, have, I'm right here. Oh, where you at now? I mean, you know, we have the real HU versus Hampton Institute because we don't know what the fuck they're like. <sighs> just like you had, listen. Listen, you might as well call me a chimney because I have all the smoke, right? Okay. Oh. Hey, hey, listen. Look, man. No, no hey, look, look, you're not lying, man. Like, I would say it is like being in Virginia is like kind of being in the holy land of like HBCUs because, like, here in Richmond, you got Virginia State versus Union, but then you also got Virginia State versus Norfolk State. You got Norfolk State versus uh, Elizabeth City. You got Elizabeth City versus North Carolina. Um, you got Central versus AT. You got Howard versus uh, Hampton. Like it's it's an HBCU heaven, man, but the vibes are so different. Like I cannot stress this enough, man. I know y'all probably see me talking about it on Twitter, man, but like one, go support your local HBCU. Two, if you have not been to an HBCU homecoming, do one, man. It's it's it, the vibes is different, yo. Like 
it's literally like a big ass family. Like it literally really people that haven't yeah. seen each other in like five, six, seven years will be like, yo, what's good, my guy? Mm-hmm. You got the frat strolling, the sorrows out there. Like it's it's lovely. And that's what like the Hindi Darby I wanted to be, but I also wanted to I, I wanted to be like that, where it's a great party feel, but I mm-hmm. also want to be something where it represents each community. Yeah. You know, I wanted to be something to where it gives back to those communities because in my eyes, it's like American soccer culture is literally whatever you want it to be. It's not Europe, it's not Africa, it's not Australia, it's not South America. It's America. It is what you want it to be. That's the beauty of American soccer culture. And what I want the Hindi Derby to be, because I've had we've had people on both sides that wanted to be like this intense derby where both sides hate each other and they're throwing, you know, shit talking. Like I got one guy on Twitter who literally like I can post anything about the Richmond Kickers. And he will post something underneath it that's like, oh, you look better in pink and blue or, you know, just rousingly shit talking. And I can care less about it because you don't pay my bills. Um, <clears throat> but the thing about it is like I want the Hindi Derby to be something to where both communities get something out of it. And where we can give back to these communities. Because what's the point of us coming together and having these great times if we're not giving back to these communities? You feel me? Absolutely. Amen to that. Absolutely. And that's a great place to end. More than enough reasons to keep up with the USL Championship in League One this season. Thanks so much, Elliot, for joining us and um, giving us that perspective. We're going to take one more break before we come back with extra time, talk about really quickly uh what happened in the first weekend of the nwsl challenge cup but just but keep with us we're gonna take one more break right now goddamn sauce nine different flavors same goddamn feeling share our passion for sauce and discover the full goddamn range at the gdsauce.com use the discount code the banter pub fc to save 15 percent when you cop the sauce Bows up. Thank you again for joining us for another edition of the Banter Pub FC. Of course, we always go into extra time. Uh, last weekend, NWSL Challenge Cup started again, the second time they're doing it. Um, and some controversy in one of the first matches between the Portland Thorns and Kansas City. Um, 90th minute kind of a, a, a red card festival there at the end. I know our captain, Neil, wanted to touch on that. Why don't you go into it, man? So, first of all, unlike some other podcasts, we're not going to pull any punches, number one. Number two, uh, when it, you know, again, and I, and, and I said it in the previous segment, uh, you know, you might as well call this podcast The Chimney because we want all the smoke. And that goes double for, uh, you know, the Portland Thorns, for uh, their management. Um, that goes for everything that happened that goes for the social ownership. media account, that, the, yeah. their ownership that was talking about, you know, uh, uh, what's her name was innocent. Uh, I don't even want to mention her name because it's not fucking relevant. What's relevant is that uh, a black player was unjustly given a red card. What also happened is that same black player and consistently with the NWSL, it is, it is why the black women that are playing for the NWSL, and I know, Elliot, you agree with this, it, it is why the black player union is vital 
It is why the anti-racist soccer club or anti-racist football club is vital. It is why we need to protect all of the black and brown women playing in the, in the National Women's Soccer League. And by protect, I don't just mean send a tweet which hashtag protect black women. What I mean is when white security guards want to threaten Sarah Gordon in, in, you know, after the Houston Dash uh, uh, Chicago Red Stars match, and try to force her away from her husband and try to blame fucking COVID as the reason, but the white players get to commiserate with their loved ones as if nothing's wrong, that's bullshit. That's fucking racist bullshit. And again, we're not going to pull punches. We're not going to be lax about it. No, 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 no. We're going to go all the way in because all of this crap is BS. All of it. Yo, I, I was I was literally dancing to Hail Mary while Neil was talking, because that's 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 how I felt. Real shit. <laughs> Real shit. Honest to God. Like, as far as I'm concerned, yes. Neil is correct. We don't need to go into the name of the person who runs the Portland Thorn social media. They're fucking trash, as far as I'm concerned. We don't we you know, we we dispose of that rubbish just like we do every week. When the uh, when the uh, when the bin men come round, you know what I'm saying. As far as I'm concerned, we are going to be calling the National Women's Soccer League the National Becky Soccer League until further notice. That is where we're at with that. You understand what I'm saying? I'll be blessed. I have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> we want the smoke, but Elliot don't. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Called the Bro, this Becky Soccer League until further notice. You understand? Wow. Unbelievable See, decisions now, coming down from now. The I have an ignorant thought. I have an ignorant thought. Now Please come now, with it. Come with it. Looking at NWSL logo. Oh, it's very. I'm Becky-ish. gonna look at that logo every time and just think like, oh man, man. Oh, Didn't I say it? You know what, Joe? That's 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 a. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a, that's that's probably a good place to end it. We no! No! <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, they got to catch like, it all. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. Listen, uh, so, we're not so, even halfway through this bottle of Hennessy. I don't give a shit. Like the National Becky Soccer League can get all of this smoke. I don't give a fuck right now. As far as I'm concerned, you understand? I just want the listeners to know that that bottle opening was not a sound effect. So <laughs> we're, we're as literal as it comes here at the Banter Pub FC. And also, so. <laughs> and also, Hennessy and any other cognac distributors, we are not sponsored by Hennessy yet. We're not. So we're not. When you want to that, black as fuck. That's right. We've already mentioned the Henny Derby. We didn't say which side we support. We already have we one didn't. on. We, we, can, we, can, have we didn't. We can. And then we're going to have them on both after the Henny Derby is over. We're just going to go on mute and just yeah. let them yell at each other. For- That's right. That's right. This could be a bidding war. It could also be the Remy Derby. There's a lot of things still up in the air. So, you know, we can all figure that out. So, there's a world derby, you know? companies of the world. For the old heads. <laughs> Twerk some FC. <laughs> Wow, Southern Comfort FC would actually be a club I might support. You know, that's not even a that's not a game. Like, don't, yeah, don't those, play with me. Those kids would probably be pretty kick ass. Um, yeah, back, back back to back to the NWSL though. Yeah, but NWSL, the people that deserve all the smoke. Yo, let's 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 keep it a buck. The the league itself deserves some criticism as well because yeah. 
Both players involved in that altercation got red cards, but upon review, the Portland player's red card suspension was dismissed. That same player featured in tonight's match against my Chicago Red Stars and scored, right? Should not have been in the lineup in the first place. Secondly, um, the KC player, who happens to be a black woman, got an additional match ban on top of her, her red card ban at the, you know, upon review. So the league itself, you know, so we can talk about a particular franchise and how they conducted themselves on social media. But that, in addition, that the, the league coming down, not on the side of justice, but on the side of lily whiteness is a, a big problem. This is why Joseph's appellation is not wrong, um, because for, so, for a league that tries to lean into their wokeness and their um, adoption of trans rights and, you know, who put out a freaking video um, exploiting black trauma, they still have not learned a single thing from last summer and the last Challenge Cup and have demonstrated that continuous anti-blackness in both the conduction of this Challenge Cup and their review processes around uh, these red cards in that particular match. So, yeah, NWSL After Dark is spicy, but, you know, it's still straight, bland chicken breasts. That's that's still how they rolling, right? Absolute Ooh. seasonless. Mercy. That's that's how they are rolling, and that's how that. So can I say how Becky's like to create oh, so do their food? But yeah, absolutely, Elliot, go for it. <laughs> nah, man. Like, so we live in America where there are two prominent women's leagues. You have the WNBA, you have the NWSL. I got to tell my head, the NWA gets every move right. In my calculations, they haven't gotten a move wrong since they decided to be more aware. I, I'm not going to say woke because that's a different term. They're all, they are aware of what is going on around the nation. They allow their players the space and the freedom to operate and to have effective, positive change in their communities. The NWS don't do that shit. I, look, let's call a spade a spade. The NWS is still a very white space. It is a white woman sport. I think it was a game I watched last week. I can only count maybe two players on the field that are black, but the NWS will have, would love to have that. Are we down for the cause? Everyone on the team is black. We all here. It's not the case. Now, the handling of the whole situation between, I saw the game live, and to me, I love the tackle. I love the ferocity. I loved it. You know? Athletes, we don't, we don't, we don't, we need to start with all this coddling, all this, oh, they're, you know, exactly. what if we get too rough? It was both reds. Two red cards, suck it up, and move mm-hmm. on. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Now, it's, it was the thorns. new sponsors of the NWSL should be wrist crackers and fucking Nutella wafers. Ooh, shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, good night, everybody. And this is my thing. Good night. And this, oh, yeah, 100%. Nailed <laughs> <laughs> This is my thing about it, man. It's like we, we have to stop. I, I need NWCL to really sit down and really look into the mirror and understand, like, yes, it's great you are 
putting, you know, black voices out there. But I don't want you to think that's enough. You haven't done enough. United the NWA, NWA, WNBA's level where, you know, it's not a safe space for black people yet. Soccer is not a safe space for black people at all. So I don't want you to ever think your league is a safe space. Facts. You know, just because you are a women's league does not automatically mean you are a safe space. And granted, I'm not a woman, so I can't, I, I don't have the rights to really talk about this. I can only voice my opinion. Doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean it's wrong. But at the same token, black women out there, you can't have a team just automatically say like, oh, she's right. She did nothing wrong in this circumstance. And not Listen, understand why they, they that use, is problematic. They, the, the, the Portland Thorns team account used the word innocent and freeze framed the black woman being the aggressor. We know that trope. We recognize the game. It's like, this is, you know, this is a story as old as America. And we are sick of this shit. I am tired. I honestly have that no patience. That literally comes from sidewalk laws. That whole trope literally Fact. comes from sidewalk laws Fact. where as a black man, I was deemed a threat because I walked on the same sidewalk as a white woman. You know, it's go back to the same thing with the Houston Nash. Oh, yes. They got the statement. We got to speak totally on that. wrong. I yeah, we have to. I, I we understand have to. you want to mark the thing in COVID. I understand you want to put it in COVID. Yes, we all understand the circumstance. But Houston Dash fucked up that statement because they made it seem as if it was only just COVID why the incident happened. It was not just because of COVID. The incident gained the level of attention it did is because the black player, and I've experienced this in my own stadium, where I got targeted because I did something that, oh, he's a threat because he's black was never said because i'm black but because oh you're doing it i'm gonna make sure that keep my eye on you i'm not gonna keep my eye on these other white people that are doing the same exact thing you know that's the day that i, <laughs> I, I, mean, I know joe always and huh? oh, what was you about to say no i was just going to say that like everything that's been said here it just needs to be let's go back to the portland thorns thing the fact of the matter is, is that when you're using the word innocent, we're taking away extreme levels of context for that situation. First of all, anybody who watches that back can see that when they were grappling for the ball in the corner, Michael Weaver had Edmonds in a damn near headlock. Let's get that straight. You understand what I'm saying to you? That on its own is a foul, but that was not called. When Edmonds decided to run away, yeah, they had words. But who did the whole brushing incident? That was Weaver that kind of antagonized Edmonds. Edmonds was just like, oh, you're about that action? Cool. And went ahead and pushed her back. Do you know mush. what I'm saying? The word mush is mush in the, face. in the mug. Deservedly. Do not take that incident she, out she, of context. She got like a partial mush. She didn't get the full yeah. mush. No, yeah. She got a partial like mush. One of the hands, not both of them. Do you understand? Like, you can definitely watch that back. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to give you the full context here. But that is exactly what I need people to really kind of focus on here. The, f the fact of the matter is, is Edmonds is not the aggressor in this situation. She's not. Period. Like, that is where we're at with it. I don't really care what anybody has to say about that. However, however, you got the official team account posting stuff like Free Weaver and um, she was innocent, meaning the other party was guilty. 
Yeah, it's a, it's which a, it's is a, it's, a, it's a it's a like it's a long old story that has blood on his hands. Like we're not really, we're not going to let it slide in twenty twenty one. I'm we're sorry. Not. We're not. I'm like, sorry. Like it's just you know I, I frankly go fuck yourselves because I'm not sorry that you're doing something that's absolutely deliberately racist here. Like check your social media manager, please, for the love of God. Get that shit done. As far as I'm concerned, the thorns are in timeout. Meanwhile, Sarah Gordon deserves all of the support that she's not getting at this moment in time. Words to what Elliot was saying with the Houston Dash. You fucked up that first statement royally. Don't try and frame this as a COVID-only situation. When Sarah Gordon perfectly, perfectly observed what was going on in that situation. Was I there? Was any of the man them there? No. But... It, I don't see any reason to disbelieve what Sarah Gordon witnessed that evening after that match for all of the shit that you did last season in grandstanding for BLM and all these sorts of stuff. You completely squandered it in your first week. That is the moral of this story here with the NWSL. And that is shameful. You should be embarrassed that you've actually done what Kaya McCullough said earlier this week. You censored Sarah Gordon after she went ahead and gave you everything that you needed to investigate. You went ahead and punished her for it. That is a form of censure. Well, not, not not only that, we're doing this in the context of a society in which we got a pause from the racist killing of a black man by a white police officer to acknowledge the killing of a brown child in the city of Chicago by a police officer. But at the same time, we're discussing these other things. Like, I'm sorry, but we're fed up. We're tired of this, this whole, like I'm, it, it would be one thing to take each incident by itself, but people of color and black people specifically and black women, especially are piling all this trauma up one layer upon layer upon layer. And if you cannot see your complicity in maximizing the trauma exposure to black people and black women specifically, then you are a problem. Like clean house, figure your shit out and circle back around because that's the world we live in. That's the world we're living in right freaking now. That's the context. That's the context. What up? Like, I mean, Elliot, as you, as you said earlier, like, it's just a case of one step forward, two steps back, or 2,000 steps back at this point. Like, after everything they did last yeah, season, like, I, squandered. This is my thing. I know people in America want to you know, fall in love with these leagues and, you know, be like, oh, my league is doing this, my league is doing this. To be honest with you, man, even when it comes to clubs, like, Leagues are going to let you down. Clubs are going to let you down. You know, my boy Grego, he has the famous saying, I love the saying, culture of a club, culture of a nation. Because that's literally what it is. Like, you have to be real with yourself, man. These leagues are going to let you down. They're going to always pick the market share. They're going to do it because they're going to worry about their interest. You know? If the NWSL were real, man, they would have ret- rescinded that ban would have been like, yo, we're not we're gonna suspend you for the one game you get to wreck off our five. They suspended the other girl and whole Sarah Gordon thing. They should have done a deep investigation, 
said they sent some penalties and fines to Houston Dash because Houston Dash was wrong because they did break COVID protocols and whatnot and allowing people to interact and mingle because if we have a COVID super bomb going on there, it's on Houston Dash. So there should have been fans fines for the Houston Dash and not for Sarah Gordon, who's got suspended for literally speaking to her husband, who is her partner. Not having these other players, I don't know who they were talking to, but they probably might have been just talking to fans. That's all fine and dandy, but you know, you have to be more cognizant of what you are doing. You know, you have to be more cognizant, man. It's not difficult. Like, it's just fucking common sense. <laughs> and that's unfortunately uh, the sad state. Women's soccer in the United States is at a turning point. We already know about the success of the women's national team and even as they struggle um, to get equal pay, but we also know the struggles that they've had in terms of their, their uh, at least most of their members trying to support their teammates um, in Black Lives Matter protest um, at the national anthem. So we, unfortunately, it's not a surprise that the National Soccer League in the United States is also kind of matching up with similar kind of pushback on these types of things. We hope, right, just like you said, that they learned from last year that it's not Black Squares FC, <laughs> that maybe they can reclaim the NW, the W in their title uh, from the National Becky Soccer League um, going forward. This is definitely a pivotal turning point for them. Um, we hope they get it right. You know, they definitely got it wrong here on two occasions. Um, but we're still going to support the players. Um, this is a league. These are. This is a soccer movement that. Uh, rest on the shoulders of uh, people like Brianna Scurry in the past, uh, current players like Sydney LaRue and Crystal Dunn right now, and the future, like Trinity Rodman, who number three yeah. draft pick for the Washington Spirit, and, who, scored in, who scored in her first game. So and let's go ahead and, and let's go ahead and give some love to Ziara King for the OL Reign. Um, right. She's absolutely it's, doing it out here. She's really fucking doing it's it out throughout, here. It's throughout the league, so we hope that they can learn from this, that the Black Players Union can um, make this a teachable moment for the people, uh, the higher-ups who are making these decisions, the social media teams that you know run those accounts day-to-day. We realize that there's some ignorant people that do that. Uh, but hopefully, again, a teachable moment for them. Um, we're going to wrap it up here <clears throat> uh, with extra time. Uh, we thank you again for joining us for another edition of uh, the Banser Pub FC, um, the sauciest team in the game, the spiciest takes on the pitch. Be sure to rate us on all the plat- whatever platform you're listening to us on. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Banser Pub FC. Um, follow and subscribe uh, to our YouTube and Twitch channels as well. And we'll definitely see you next time in the pub uh, for Neil, for Ama, for Joe. Uh, producer Rossler in the background and thank you again to our very special guest Elliot from Can I Kick It uh, we appreciate everything you gave to us definitely going to be following definitely give a listen to Can I Kick It um, on, on those networks Elliot can you tell us where we can find you guys Um, yeah man so you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at RiverCity93 uh, for Can I Kick It there is no Twitter or social media page everything is at RiverCity93 um, but if you're willing to listen you go into any uh, podcast host, type in Can I Kick It FC? We changed the name because uh, we found out there were like a thousand other podcasts named Can I Kick It? Most of them don't have black co hosts there, hosted by white people, which shocked the shit out of me. Hell um, yeah. <laughs> white people love a Tribe Called Quest, so yeah. Okay. Shocked the shit they out of do. Me. 
Um, they really do. <laughs> but um, I could go in and say this here because um, this actually will be dropped out tomorrow, so you guys get the exclusive, exclusive, exclusive. Um, this upcoming Tuesday we. <laughs> Um, this Tuesday, we, so normally on our podcast, we have a Black Supporters uh, Roundtable where we get Black supporters around through the nation to talk about issues that's going on around the world and in uh, supporters culture. This Tuesday, we're going to be doing a live show uh, hosted by our podcast. Um, I'm not going to be talking on it. Um, Ebony Christmas is going to be the host where we're going to have Black women um, and supporters, um, former players as well to talk about their experience in the game what's going on in women's soccer and things like that um so look out for those details coming out shortly about our live show sounds really dope elliot we'll definitely be listening into that um again for fans of pub fc you know fc drip real saw city i think we got to call it chimneys united now because we come with all the smoke uh thanks for listening again and we'll hit you next time peace Thank you.